Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool FC Blood Red podcast. You're without your regular host, Ian Doyle. He's off spoiling Christmas for children across the northwest uh, with his miserly ways. We're also without James Pearce today, who's got his, uh, his his Monday off, the Malingara. But thankfully, he's gone skydiving. Actually. He's gone skydiving. There you go. And you thought your Monday was exciting, but um, we've got Andy Kelly, uh, fresh from from Anfield yesterday. We've got Christian Walsh, and we've got myself. And we're going to discuss West Ham, Middlesbrough and more in the next half hour or so. So, Andy, one place to start. The uh, the disappointment of Sunday and uh, more drop points for Jürgen Klopp. More drop points and I think the, that overwhelming disappointment's a word you used, frustration uh, and a bit of anger out there as well. Just because I think people have been so into what they've seen from Liverpool for the most part of this season. They feel it's a journey they want to go on and be with for the whole of the season. And now they're seeing it slip out of their grasp and they're not quite sure how it's um, slipping out of their grasp. In an away game at Bournemouth, they were uh, dominating and in a game against West Ham, who started at at Anfield in the bottom three. And Liverpool get the early goal, which is all you're after, isn't it? And you feel like they should go on and win comfortably there. And it slips away one you know, silly challenge on the edge of the box. Uh, we'll come on to the, the goalkeeper for the free kick, and then a deflection sort of upsets everything at the back. And before you know it, you're two one down, and a West Ham team playing with a certain stubbornness that we haven't seen from them uh, for a while. So um, massively frustrating, and getting into the nitty gritty of of why Liverpool have dropped off is you know. You could write an entire encyclopedia, I think about it, but we'll we'll try our best for for half an hour. Yeah, well, Christian, I believe you're going to have a go at writing a little bit of uh, that encyclopedia later today. You've got a few. Uh, there you go. You've got a few notes in front of you. Like Harold Voldemort. Uh, yes, it is. It's, it looks like algebra, but it it does make sense to to, to Christian. Um, Jürgen Klopp said after the game, he said it's going to be difficult to stay in the race with Chelsea. Now the gap is already starting to open up a little bit at the top. Is that him being a bit unnecessarily negative after a couple of bad results, or is there a, a genuine fear that having spoken about a title race in sort of October, November, Liverpool could be out of it by the new year? Yeah, I found it strange he said that, to be honest. That he, he was quick enough to not necessarily dampen enthusiasm, but not play to the to the fans, you know, the lights. Where you think about the Palace game, the Watford game, he, he wouldn't say Liverpool were in the race necessarily. So it's a sort of rule them and say that they're going to struggle to, to be in the race with Chelsea. Just feels a little bit defeatist to me. And certainly, you know, he wants to get Anfield to be this cauldron again. He wants everyone to believe in the team and and, and all that sort of uh, all that sort of stuff. But but then he's he's you know I'm not saying he's conceding, but he's he's sort of hand, handing Chelsea the advantage in, in in early December. It just feels it just jars to me now. I can see why he would say it. I, I think you look at the Chelsea game before and seven points, and you think, well, that that's a that's a big gap to be playing catch up, and and we we all know that games in hand and whatnot. It's it, it's more about the physical points on the board. So you're going into a game against West Ham. You know, even though they are a West Ham, we were in the bottom three, as Andy said, seven points off the pace in 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 December. That's 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 a bit of a a bit of a concern, and then obviously to only get the points. Um, to make it six, I think the the main worry is, and the reason why Klopp might have said it, you know, even subconsciously, is that Chelsea have got some really nice fixtures coming up. Yeah. I think I said on this podcast last week, uh, certainly the last edition, 
that the, the goodwill and the you know the credit that Liverpool had for the brilliant start of winning at Arsenal, drawing at Tottenham, winning at uh, the Emirates, um, Stamford Bridge, that the sort of was in danger of evaporating because everyone has started to play everyone now and everyone's had the same start and you know we're sort of on a par now in terms of difficulty of games. So now Liverpool six points behind and, and at best they're on they're on par with Chelsea in yeah. terms of difficulty of games because I'd look at the two fixture lists and I think Chelsea's is a little bit easier so. It, it is going to be hard to say in that race. Because I make a point, I mean, the, the goodwill, you say the goodwill has evaporated there from Liverpool, but it seems to be the negativity stem from a couple of injuries. Lallana getting one on international duty, Coutinho getting one thereafter, Sturridge not being available to step in. Well, I look at Chelsea and I think, well, surely at some point Eden Hazard gets injured, surely at some point one of the back three who've, who've been so so excellent gets injured and you have to bring in maybe John Terry to play in there who, who isn't the same type of defender. Maybe Diego Costa gets he's, he's one yellow card away. Maybe you get him and he, he misses a tough away game. Not bad you are, yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea had a little, a little run early in the season which suggests that they can have another one at some point later in the season. I don't see their squad being that much stronger than, than the competitors. Maybe they're, they're playing better than the competitors at the moment. I think Jurgen Klopp agrees with you, Jones, because... What the end of that um, statement when he we've been talking about there about it's going to be hard to stay in the race with Chelsea was it ended with if they keep winning everything yeah. and and I think the key thing was if there yeah. and I, I don't think it was quite as defeatist perhaps as, as Christian's reading into it I think that was him saying look we can't close this gap if if Chelsea win every game but I don't think that was uh, that was him suggesting that they will win every game yeah. and for for me I, I totally agree with you. He also referred to the fact that they've been able to play the, the same side. So he he's coming at it exactly where you are in the sense that you know we haven't been able to do that recently, uh, and it, it, potentially it's cost us. Whereas Chelsea, uh, Piercy and I spoke about this in the post match video yesterday. I think Chelsea perhaps have made some changes to the team, but not to the key players. You know yeah. your Hazards and your Costas, yeah. who have been able to pretty much play most games. And uh, and that's helped them, and I think he referred to Arsenal being pretty much able to do that as well. He he said United had had some had had to change a bit, and Liverpool have had to change a bit. So, um, I I think he believes that 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 the time will come when that that won't happen, uh, and potentially then Chelsea, um, because we're talking about fine margins, aren't we? You look at Chelsea before the Liverpool game yesterday. That's one. Mistake from my countryman Gareth yes, McCauley, uh, former Korea man. I used to watch him uh, regularly over there, and um, he, you know, he's made one error, and he's having a you know great season for the eight yeah. years. He's made one error, otherwise West Brom. From what I, I didn't see the whole game, but from what I could see, well he, people were talking about a defensive masterclass when I was I was listening to some of it. So, you know, it's those narrow margins. And if, if, if something goes slightly awry, to me, this is still a Chelsea team with David Luiz in, in centre. <laughs> centre. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be someone who will take advantage of that. I know people have, he's playing well, and the back three yeah. thing is well, massively well, suiting him, Moses isn't it? Victor sustain a season at the level he's been uh, so I saw he, he, he was taken off yesterday to yeah. get Fabregas on, wasn't he? And, um, exactly. So, the, yes, they go to Sunderland in midweek and haven't seen... Uh, a bit of the Sunderland game over the weekend, they they didn't look up too much. Yeah. But Chelsea have, I think, had a couple of struggles up there in recent yeah, years. Yeah, last season. Absolutely, and and um, I just don't think. Let's remember, Chelsea still got to come to Anfield, you know. So okay, 
if they all were, if our results went on a par with theirs, you know, we'd have to work on the basis that we can beat them at Anfield. So there's only just three points to make up in God knows how many yeah. games. So let, let's not get panicky. I think what people are seeing is they're not confident that Liverpool will go and win yeah. a load of games in a row at the moment. I was just going to say, it's not. It's, I don't think looking at Chelsea is the issue. I think it's looking at Liverpool. Yeah. I think that's that's the big thing. And I think this is where the negativity from the past two games has stemmed from. I think even after 12, 12 games or 11, 12 games, however many it was, um, after the Sunderland game, you know, it's exciting. You look at it. You, you're watching soccer Saturday. You're watching match of the day. You're watching. You look at the the other competitors, and you're going, "Move!" Yeah. You know, they're, they're looking good, but yeah, they could crumble there. Or Arsenal. You know, don't forget about Arsenal. And you you go into a game like uh, Everton versus Manchester United, for example, and you go, well, "What's the best result here for Liverpool?" You know, and that and that sort of thing. Now it's it's more just a fact of, well, does it really matter? Because can Liverpool even keep on the coattails if, if they start flailing? And I think that's where the negativity has come from because I think it was just it's been a bit of a reality check that while Liverpool, it, it almost felt like it was April last month. You know what I mean? I, it, it almost like Liverpool. Were, George announced that Liverpool were um, sorry that Arsenal and Tottenham had drawn one one. Liverpool will go, go top of the league with a win against Watford. The fans were buoyant, and, and it felt like it, it had happened in in you know early early mid April. And I just feel like this is just a bit of a. A reminder for everyone that it is a long hard season, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But it's you know it's a good thing for Liverpool because the six points off. It's a long hard season, so you've just got to take the good with the bad, and certainly the bad with the good. Okay, so should we talk about some of the the good and the bad from yesterday? Then, and we'll start with, well, was it bad? Loris Carius was was Loris Carius the bad of yesterday, or do you have a different opinion on that, Andy? No, and look, I don't. We're not here to jump on bandwagons and anything else. And anyone who listens to this pod regularly um, knows that um, the split opinions, but certainly myself and Piercy were very much of the opinion that Simon Mignolet shouldn't have been, uh, and I think probably a few of the other lads as well, shouldn't shouldn't have be, have lost the number one tag on what I'd, we'd seen this season because he, he'd felt like a more reliable goalkeeper than Loris Carrius. Um, Klopp was obviously thinking more long term and wants to get Carrius in there and thinks he's got you know a bigger upside than Mignolet has and, and there's nothing yet to suggest that that might not be true if you know what I mean. Um, but what we what we are seeing is a goalkeeper who's making errors that are now costing points. And a couple of weeks ago, I said on this pod that at this stage, Loris Carrius was a lucky goalkeeper because his mistakes hadn't cost yeah. Liverpool. And We've now seen two games on the trot where his mistakes have cost Liverpool. Um, yesterday, the free kick, as soon as it, as soon as he started lining up the wall, I can absolutely tell you, and we, I'm sure we weren't the only ones in the ground, but the whole press box was going, why is he stood where he is? And yeah. this is there was quite a delay before the free kick was actually taken. He lined it up. Um, Paye, I think, by the way, pinches half a yard. Certainly, he pinched a yard, and then I think, uh, I think it was Mane, um, or it might have been Origi, actually kicked the ball back to where it right. had come from. And he, I actually watched it closely on the telly last night. I thought he'd pinched more than he had, but it was only maybe half a yard. Doubt it made much difference, to be honest. But he's too far to the to the other post. Um, and then, if you look at where the ball goes in. He's got another three or four yards where he could have put it more in the corner where a keeper wouldn't have any chance. When he gets there, he gets a palm to it. Um, and you know, But he's, he's just lined it up wrong. He, he should have given himself 
a bit further away from the post, and he could still have covered that side with a dive. You got. I mean, you, there's, there's other issues with play. I, I, I'm, I'm fully in agreement on the the position play, and I actually think the fact that it's Payet, I think you you almost have to be more central than you would normally. Because yeah, you'd adjust you know, for him. You know, you, you, basically, you've got to make Payet hit the inside of the post if he's going to beat you over the wall because he's capable of doing it. But he, if you give him half the goal, he will find it. It's not it's not even a, a question that he might. Um, David James said on on Twitter, and David James obviously, you know, a, a goalkeeper with many appearances, many of them for, for Liverpool, said in time that the quality of the free kick will be appreciated. A few people w- were saying the same, but then I I, I noticed other people having to go at the wall. You know, the, Lallana and Lovren, I think, were the two in the wall. He didn't really cover themselves in goal. Also, the idea of giving away the free kick in the first place when I can remember Accrington's boss early in the the season in the the EFL Cup. And he, beat, he got beaten in the 90th minute by a party free kick, and you think League Two are oh, plucky. What a great effort at the, um, the London Stadium! And he said, "I've got no sympathy for them because I told them all week you don't give away a free kick within 30 yards of the goal." And you know, you know what, Johnsy? I'm almost well. I am certain that Liverpool will have spoken about it before the game because when the free kick gets given away by Lalana, he instantly gets into a massive. Um, shout and match with Lovren whose header it was that um, came out far too centrally really? and it's almost like they already know yeah. they're in trouble before the free kick's even been taken and Lallana's shouting at Lovren basically saying why have you headed it out straight yeah. to their man in the centre of our goal and Lovren's sort of is shouting back at him well why have you why have you committed <laughs> the foul in, in that place and you know it's a silly foul from a Lallana but he'd probably argue in that position if he goes past me He's got a ball that he can slip in there, or perhaps threaten threaten goal from there. Um, but you know, fundamentally, it was still an effort that sh- should clearly have been stoppable. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a vintage pyre free kick. I mean, he's got a highlight reel, hasn't he? He's got a highlight reel of them, and that that, that was probably that's a six out of ten, isn't it? He's got the most goals from direct free kicks since the start of last season in the yeah. Premier League. I mean, unsurprisingly, and he has put them in both sides. What about the comments then from some of the pundits, like Jamie Carragher and Phil Neville seem to be on message, um, both said, use the phrase, shut up and do your job, in reference to uh, the interview that Carriers gave last week about Gary Neville and the criticism he'd have after the Bournemouth game. Alan Shearer was a little bit more supportive of him. Is there a danger? We saw it with Moreno earlier in the season, we talked about that and we talked about the elements of scapegoating and things like that. Is there a danger that you can... You can be too harsh on a young lad who's played twelve games for for his new club. He's played twelve games in the Premier League. You know, he's he's not he's obviously not a dud. You know, he's not he's not he's got some sort of pedigree about him, and he, he must have some sort of potential because I don't think Jurgen Klopp and other other respected judges are going to be buying a player who who isn't that. Is is there a danger that we could go too far in terms of the criticism of him? I think most certainly. I, I, I say I'm writing something at the moment, um, and hopefully it'll be out by the time you listen to this. But I, I just feel like I, th- I think I've used the phrase, you know, have a go with him for his loose wrists, but not his loose lips. Um, because I really like that, by the way. I told everyone about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing you said when I came in today. I've got a line. Um, I, I think I think it is. I, th- I think yes, there were mistakes, but. Goalkeepers do make mistakes, and I think that it, it's just the timing, isn't it, of, of the, inter, the the Bournemouth mistake and then the interview, and then the mistake against West Ham. But you know, he wasn't the only reason Liverpool didn't win that game yeah. of football. Let's face it, Liverpool lads 
what was it, 40, 45 minutes when you include stoppage time yeah. to get a fair goal there. And OK, you can say, well, Liverpool shouldn't have to score three goals to win a game of football every time. But they had 45 minutes there to, to get the winner against the West Ham team that weren't interested in attacking. And their main way of playing really was to give it to the to the full backs and, 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 and see launch and launch it against against the team of Giants. And that to me, if it's if it's your full backs who are, who are creating in invasive commas the most chances, um that's that, that's a sign that it's something's not going right attacking wise and that's something Liverpool haven't relied on this season. So you know you know, he's always gonna get the headlines because he's you know, he said that about Gary Neville. But as I said, that interview he actually, that was the headline, of course, it was because he, he said he had a little go at Gary Neville, you know. But, but wouldn't you, if you were a, a young lad, sort of yeah. in a foreign country? And, and the question's put to him as well. He's, he hasn't, he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't, yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to have a go he, at Gary he's, Neville. Yeah, he's, 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 he's been asked the question, he's answered it honestly, maybe a little bit too honestly. But you know, in an era where everyone is fed up of player quotes, apparently, and, and you know, they don't say anything interesting, blah blah blah. I thought it was quite refreshing for, for the young lads to sort of go, no, I've got confidence in my ability. I think that comment is just, uh, the Gary Neville one is just a reflection really of the scapegoating he's been under. Even when he hasn't been necessarily making mistakes, you can just, again, it was, it's a bit like Manila, you can just feel the tension in the ground. You can feel that you can hear the, the, the old fellas on the cough giving a, a big sigh when, he, when he's sort of playing around with the ball or when he doesn't come, not coming off his line. And you can just feel that, ten, that tension. And I think that sort of, Came out in that interview with that Gary Neverline. The rest of the interview is actually really sort of um, nice. It's a nice interview. He he's really intrinsic about the goalkeepers. He's really you know he holds his hands up and goes yeah I was a fell for the ball of goal. I'm really sorry about that. And you know it's very rare that players. I think you said last time it would have been nice if he did it earlier. Maybe yeah. he did it in the big zone or whatever. But you know he he sort of held his hands up and said that. But I think he's obviously feeling this sort of pressure on him already. And and yeah this element of scapegoating. And I think that's why he probably said it. But obviously, it's made just made it worse. I'm I'm not convinced. I think loads of people, ourselves included, are desperate not to make him a scapegoat. But you can't. It's very difficult to talk about a game when the, when significant incidents have involved the goalkeeper and for it not to sound like scapegoating. The nature uh, of the position. Yeah, isn't it? it's the nature of the position as goalkeeper, and and he'll be used to it, um, albeit not from the sort of microscopic scrutiny that you'll get at Liverpool compared to what he would have got at Mainz but ultimately he is the Liverpool goalkeeper and he's there to to win Liverpool points and I think people were suggesting that he'd won us points against Sunderland maybe or you yeah. know with a couple of saves I'm not convinced of that myself he, he played quite well against Sunderland he played reasonably well against Watford didn't he um, but he we're all. I think people have been trying to make allowances for a new league, young lad, um, big club, but it, it's just a matter of when those allowances sort of become too stretched and basically you can't allow any more because the damage that's been done is too much. And again, James and I discussed this after the game. You know, where do you go for Wednesday? Because we haven't even discussed the second goal, by the way, which yeah, you might well, be wanting to I come on. I don't think it's an error. I don't think it's a goalkeeping error. I think it's one. I think it's a, a, a joint error of the, the the lack of pressure on the ball and then the sort of Henderson. It's a bit it's an unlucky deflection, but I, I always think deflections are always something's been done wrong for it to be deflecting off here at, that, at an angle anyway. But Matty's a little bit too 
on his on his sort of his heels, if you like. He's not not alert. But I just think he didn't do much, did he? To 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 sort of he made the strikers mind up for him. And I think goalkeepers that's that's one thing that you really you really don't want your goalkeeper to do to tell him where to finish it. And I think he he gave Antonio exactly what he needed to finish it. Well, I thought he found himself in that position. He didn't come all the way, and he found himself in sort of that mid position that you never want to find yourself as as a goalkeeper. Then I think he did go back to that and got to force him to just make a decision because he just stood there frozen yeah. to the spot, didn't he? And for me, that was him going, okay, then you're going to have to make a decision here because I'm not going to sort of go yeah. keep coming or go back. So I'm just going to stay here and you're going to have to make a decision. Just about Antonio was able to do it, not by you yeah. know, not by very much. I think Courtois, Czech, I'm going down the league here. Um, Loris. Loris, uh, who else is there? De Gea. They they all save that. They'd all have come. They'd, They'd all have been. Gladio Bravo wouldn't. Yeah, that's the last thing. Conspicuous by his absence, yeah. he would have been playing a couple of keep ups and then give it away. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, we're talking about the hair there. Then that's one you can't say. Carry us almost on social media without the hair coming up at some point. Yeah. Now, fair fair comment. The hair was was um, struggling at the start of his Manchester United career, but the hair was dropped in that first season. I can remember Lindergaard playing does, games yeah. for United. You know. And then he came back stronger. He, he, he literally came back stronger. You know, I think he bulked up. I think he, he realised that he needed to be a bit more commanding and a bit more vocal. I think maybe maybe learn English because I, I don't believe that De Gea had a lot of English when he first came. Carrius obviously has. So with that in mind and with an immediate chance now to make a change, there's a game on on you know within three days. Should Carrius start at Middlesbrough? I'm just about. I'm I'm really. Yesterday I was pretty clear in my mind that you've got to stick with him and and I, I felt like he should. I know Pierce is of, of, of the view that take him out for his own good to yeah. a certain extent and, and as you say, come back stronger a bit later on. I mean, being dropped, the De Gea shows that being dropped isn't, you know, t- terminal to your yeah. career. And we could, we've seen Mignolet improve, uh, yeah. I think, for... The, either the shock or the the kick up the bum or just the you know a steely in, inner determination to come back stronger. I think we, he's improved since he's been initially dropped or had the competition of Carrius arrive, and he, you know he hasn't done much wrong this season, Simon Mignolet. So you have got what hopefully would be a very good backup on the uh, uh, on the bench to possibly bring in. The, the situation then. You're worrying about is what, what happens if he were to make an error, and I suppose we've got a world on the basis. Game the it, as well. And then you've got the then you've got you've got the derby, haven't you? Yeah. So it's it's very it's very very tricky, and I have to say, whichever way Klopp decides to jump, I can see some value in it. Christian, well, the derby on the horizon. Now we've been to derbies, we've seen derbies, we know what Goodison's like. It's probably it's probably the the toughest ground for a referee and for a goalkeeper, an opposing goalkeeper, because there's everything is an appeal, everything is you know it's 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 vocal, it's loud, it's under going to be on the, it's a Monday night kickoff. Would you feel comfortable with Loris Carius in goal, providing let's say let's say he has a quiet game against Middlesbrough, he doesn't do anything great, he doesn't do anything wrong. Would you feel confident with Loris Carriers in goal or would you rather sign a mini label? I'll tell you what, look, he's a sweeper keeper because at least he'll be a little bit further away from the Bradley Street. <laughs> because that is that is that will be if, if you know, if, if if the narrative here is that he struggled with English football and, and the and the sort of that, that aspect of it, 
he's in for a shock next yeah. Monday. And I an think. Everton team that needs to react. And Everton team that needs to react. And Everton team that will, you know, under 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 Ronald Koeman will bombard. Um, this is this is not Roberto Martinez size. This is a Ronald Koeman size who is pragmatic, and obviously the pragmatism isn't exactly yielding many points at the moment. But he'll, you know, Ronald Koeman will have no problem hoisting that up to Romelu Lukaku. I, I would feel, I would be nervous. I would say he, he would be an obvious, and I hate using this phrase because obviously Steve Cook said it and yeah, uh, Ian Klopp hated it, but he would be the obvious weak link if if. if Ronald Koeman sits down with his players in that pre-match plan and he is saying, Loris Karius, whether he has a good game, bad game against Middlesbrough, he can still be got at. At the same time, a complete slide, you know, sliding door scenario where you put Simon Mignolet in against Middlesbrough, there's ice on the ball, Alessandro Vestavelli 2002, and he drops one in. Then what do you do? Yeah. You know, Shamal George? You know, it, it, yeah. it, it, but, it's... But I, I mean, I'm arguing against myself here to a certain extent, but do we have to just work on the basis that He's not going to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I And let's say so. Let, he's not going to. I am firmly of the opinion he's not going to. But let's say he plays again. Let's say that well, he will play against Middlesbrough. Pretty sure, personally, Carius. Then if he drops one in, then at least come the derby, there is a. a, a he's got an option. He's. I. Don't, I wouldn't even say it's an option. I think it's a, a no-brainer. That yeah. Simon Mignolet comes back into the side. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that, that's another thing is is that you could argue that that could be the making of a of a Loris Karius if he can go to Goodison, stand up and have a good game, make a big save. Mignolet made one last season, or se- season before last at Goodison, in um in the nil nil game, sort of February one on one. I think with Seamus Coleman late on, and, yes. and, and Liverpool were struggling at the time. Yeah, he made a big save, game, and, yeah. and it was it was a sort of. You know, an example that Mignolet was back to some sort of form because mm. it haven't been dropped for Brad Jones. Um, if you but move on, move but, uh, on. Uh, well, let's just just when you mentioned Brad Jones, I just wanted to yeah. mention it was it was funny when we were sat at Anfield yesterday, just following social media, and <laughs> Goal in Holland uh, tweeted out a picture of Brad Jones being given uh, their award as the Eredivisie um, uh, goalkeeper of the year for for 2016. Now most Liverpool fans who saw him in the latter bit of his yes. uh, Liverpool career would find that astonishing. Um, but there he is, you know, being hailed as the best goalkeeper in a significant league in Europe. And what all the only point I'd make is that just shows you how quickly a goalkeeper's life can turn around. And um, that that should give hope to both Loris Karius and Simon Mignolet. Simon Mignolet who's sat on the bench at the moment, and Loris Karius who's obviously having his struggles. Uh, in the first team, so um, uh, you know, we could be sat here after next Monday going, you know, there's a there's a there's a hero for Liverpool. Just, so we'll just look who's top uh, joint top of the Bundesliga as well. Yeah, Galaxi. Galaxi didn't didn't even manage to get a run out and get the gloves on for Liverpool bar a, bar a substitute. So yeah, that's a, a nice positive way to end that segment on goalkeeper. I tried goalkeeper. to be positive in yeah, analysis. You did, you did. I'm not sure many people bought it. No, the, the, it wasn't a, it wasn't reflective of the general mood on my <laughs> Twitter feed. Let's say um, moving moving to the other end of the pitch then from from the goalkeeper the attack Christian touched on it sort of. A bit of a blunting of the attack, even though last three games Liverpool, well, last three league games Liverpool have scored eight goals, scored ten in the last four, and give you count the, the League Cup, and that's without Philip Coutinho. But James Pearce wrote in his match report that there's been a, a the Reds have lost a sparkle, if you like. How much of that is down to the shift of Roberto Firmino away from the, the centre and out to the, the fringes? It's, I mean, I'll 
Christian will talk more about this because I know he's really vehement about it, but it's really... I can see him warming up. He's now. warming up. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just be... Uh, I'll tease him in, so to speak. But undoubtedly, Firmino had sort of made that false nine. or, or We don't need to give it false anymore, yeah. do we? He was just playing he nine. He was playing really well. And uh, he, he was linking play fantastically. He was everywhere on the pitch. And he was, he was an absolute nuisance for uh, opposition defences and getting goals. I think he's really missing Coutinho because they were always looking for each other all the time. Barber buddies. Yeah, Barber bu- buddies. And even when they had their little chat that was filmed by LSE TV, they spoke themselves about this telepathic understanding they have. Now, normally that's sort of, um, you know, people writing flowery critics yeah. stuff. You get the two players going, yeah, we're telepathic. <laughs> you can sort of believe they've got a relationship. Yeah. Um, and so he's lost that. And then he's back on the sort of, behind the front man on the left, if you like, uh, and perhaps in a p- situation where we probably thought he would play or you yeah. know, when, he, when we bought him. Um, but he has lost something a bit out there. The difficulty is, Origi is a man who's scoring goals, uh, albeit aided by Randolph yesterday, yeah. but he's there to put it in. Four and four. Four and four. I think he's got six in either six or seven starts for Liverpool this season. So he's scoring goals. So it's a really difficult conundrum for Klopp. Um, and we we mentioned this very thing in the last pod when we were talking about what you'd do in the lineup. And um, so this isn't after the fact because a lot of the lads, not, I wasn't one of them, felt that you know Origi should be dropped to keep for me because of the importance of keeping Firmino in the middle. And I'll uh, at that point I shall pass over to my esteemed colleague. It's, the floor is yours, it's, it's, no, it's absolutely imperative that reverse of Firmino plays through the middle. I mean, we were talking about not to go back to the carrier string, but I was looking at the. Um, you know, I was just looking at Liverpool's defence in general, and, and and I firmly sort of subscribe to Klopp's belief that a lot of the the, uh, the defending is a, is a team effort, and it starts from the front. That's not to say Origi's, you know, he doesn't try. He's, I, I think he's a really hard working young man. I think he's, he's, his attitude is absolutely spot on, but he's just not as finely tuned into what Klopp wants as as Roberto Firmino is. And as I said it before, I believe Firmino and Lallana are both the source of the. Dog whistle. The dog, yeah, yeah that's the thing of the dog whistle of, of Klopp. You know, when he sort of clicks his fingers, those two go, and the, and everyone follows. He just lost that on on, on the left hand side. He's not a left. He's not a left side. I, mean, I know he's played there, but he's always impressed in the in the sense that he's he's not quick enough. He's not tricky enough to to, to so he can't really beat a man on the left. He's not sort of he's not going to beat a man in terms of for pace or I mean he's got a skill he's got a skill in his in his, in his locker but he needs the, the entire pitch he uses the pitch as a, as a bit of a canvas doesn't he and I think just shifting him out to the left it just sort of constricts like a big part of, 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 of green there that he could easily float into and, and really harm teams and as I say I was looking at you know Liverpool are giving up when Klopp used to uh, defend the defence so to speak I think he said he had no respect for anyone who, who would have a go at my defence. He was he was right in general because they weren't giving away many shots. They weren't giving away many chances, and they are now. The last two games have been really concerning. How many how many chances Liverpool have been giving away? Good chances as well. I think I said there that uh, past two games, ten shots have come from inside the box. In Carius's previous eight, only twenty five. Now that's only two game two shots from inside the box per game on average more, but at the same time. Given how Liverpool can't really save shots at the moment and, and their shot to goal ratio, that's that's almost a, another goal for for the opposition. And I just feel that the, the balance of the team and the structure of the team just looks a bit different with 
with Origi out there. I, I know he tried very, very briefly, didn't he? Putting Origi on the left and, and Firmino through the middle. It was for like two minutes. And then sort of he swapped back and then Origi scored through the centre. I just wonder if, if that's an option. I, I just, I, but at the same time as well, with, with the bench how it is at the moment, I just think there's no better option than... I mean, obviously, his hands were tied a bit with Chan's injury and that's, that, that is a blow um, in that sense. But I just feel... Origi off the bench is, is, is as good as a start, if you see what I mean. Uh, that, that, that's a, a fair point, that one I agree with, actually. Origi, massive fan of him. I think he's got a, a huge, huge ceiling in terms of his potential. I think he can be a real, real top player. But at the moment, he's a player of, of sort of spells, isn't he, in games. I don't think he's a 90-minute player. He's sort of on the feet, you know. He's, he's, he's able to take chances. A bit, a bit Lukaku about him. You know, Lukaku gets a lot of criticism from Everton fans for maybe not... Dominating games, and he's a little bit older than Origi, and he's a little bit more experienced, and he, you know, he's had more, more sort of uh, more headlines, if you like. But I think he's still a player who who maybe is better served in a half-hour burst at the end of a game against tiring legs, and maybe you keep the the structure a little bit more familiar to start with, and then you bring him on. That said, if he's scoring goals, I mean, if if, if you keep them out, he's got. Basically, a winning goal against Sunderland, the winning goal against Leeds, would have been a clinching goal against Bournemouth. Should have been, you know, an important goal against Bournemouth, and then obviously he's already got an important goal against West Ham. So I, I, that's, the, that's the difficulty. I mean, I personally think he has to. I don't think he had a great day yesterday, by the, by the way, and and you know, but he's there to to score when when it was when it was needed. The question, I suppose, I think he has to start just because of the, the the form he's in. But the question is, which one of him or Firmino could can adapt better to playing slightly well, we'll play wider? Well, yeah, I mean that's another option. I mean that's what um, that that was suggested by I think myself and somebody else in team selector. I think it was Dan, Dan yeah, Dan, we both went for um, you know two up front with the diamond behind, and you know it may well be. I think Klopp. Looks at every game and you know it's a horses for courses job. He looks very. It's not the old school way of um, you know the the famous Shankly was always about going in and telling his Liverpool team they were yeah. they were miles better than this loss and uh, you you want to see the left back he's absolutely shocking or whatever. Yeah. Klopp's Bobby the exact Moore was, opposite. Bobby Moore was one, wasn't he? he said Bobby Moore, he's useless. He can't run. He's sweating. He's <laughs> and, <Yeah>. that. and, <laughs> and you know, I think, and the free, you know, that made that team go out there absolutely. Oh, you can't do that in modern football. Uh, you couldn't do what Shankly did in modern football because, quite simply, we all see far too much of it. Yeah. Um, we all love seeing far too much of it, but you do. In Shankly's day, they were seeing. You know, a few minutes of highlights on match of yeah. the day, if it as and when it had started, and you weren't getting live football games by the FA Cup final. So you could probably convince the players that this loss lot are awful, but you can't do that when every game's televised live. So Klopp's approach is very much they're they're really good here, they're really good there, but this is how we're going to counter it exactly. And so he it could well be that he may thinks two up front and a diamond will work in certain games coming up. Um, or you know he goes with three behind, one in front, um, or the four three three. I just think he's a horses for courses man, so he, he'll he'll adapt it accordingly. But um, f- for me, Origi has to stay in just because he's scoring goals. So y- you need to find a way of 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 working him and Firmino 
together as best as possible. And um, you know, I, I suspect if Coutinho was on the pitch, it wouldn't matter where Firmino played; they would still be able to get that 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 link up. But um, right, so we'll move move to Bora then. Bora, uh, one of the I think Christian Lagrini, one of the least watchable teams in the Premier League so far this season, but. Not a bad, not a bad defensive unit. I think they've they've had a point at the Etihad, they've had a point at the Emirates, and obviously home advantage now. They they got the first home win last Monday against against Hull, um, or second home win, sorry. Um, but uh, it should be a three points for Liverpool. Really, that's what that's that should be the target. But is that all of a sudden a tougher game than it was yeah, ten days? You know, I was just asked me ten days ago, and and, and you're saying Liverpool will win three one. You know, three nil, three one, whatever. Routine three nil. Routine three nil. Been after all season. Exactly. Um, but it, this is this is a really tough game. Uh, even with their injuries, I, I think the grade yeah, will probably miss old. out again. Uh, but yeah, they, they defend well. Um, I think they well, you know, it doesn't take much, but they conceded fewer goals than Liverpool this season. Sixteen, they've conceded. Yeah, but again, it, it's it's also. Not to bore people with the whole shot on that, but they don't concede many shots either. Yeah, they, they're, they're good. Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. And it didn't work at the start of the season. A lot of those sixteen goals, if I remember right, that would have come in the first sort of five or six yeah. games. So he's he's really turned it around offensively. He's playing um, Gibson and um, yeah, Gibson, Gibson, Gibson Chambers. Yeah, former Tranmere loanee yeah. Ben Gibson. Um, yeah, Ayala's not in the team. Barragan will probably be right back. Um, George Trent might miss out, but they've got a good solid base there. Good good midfield. Good hard work in midfield. And they'll just battle, and and, and you know, even before sort of the 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 little blip that Liverpool have had, you you sort of say, well, that that's a bit of a worry because Liverpool are fine against teams that will come to play football, but you know, it's teams that will battle that that is the the issue. I mean, they obviously made the mockery of that against you think the likes of Hall and the likes of uh, Watford and that sort of thing, but it'll be a little bit different. This will be the first sort of. Big game at the Riverside, I think, since they came back up. I think that's fair yeah. to say, isn't it? Um, first, I mean, obviously, the first day of the season was a big enough game, but this they've is... had Chelsea up there, haven't they? I think they have. Forgive yeah, me. Chelsea, Chelsea, no, and Chelsea yeah. only won well, by the, the old by goal. The old goal. It was, the old goal. was a set piece, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, I think Spurs went up there and won two one from checking. So that was on a Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that's the odd goal. So for me, this is all about mindset from Liverpool, uh, and they should be in this mindset of. This is going to be really hard, mm. and it is going to be hard. And I think if you set out with that mindset of just doing the right things, uh, and I felt like this yesterday in a way, that if Liverpool kept doing the right things in that last ten minutes yesterday, I thought we just got a little bit sort of um, desperate, I suppose. Yeah. But I thought it would come yesterday, and it didn't. But I thought we did a lot of the right things, and there was a lot of, I think I called it penalty box pinball. The you know, balls were flying around everywhere. And it, something could have dropped. I think going to Middlesbrough, you just got to go there in the knowledge it's, this is going to be really hard work. And we we want to go and do that work, yeah. and we're going to do everything we can. And if we do that, there's every chance you will win by that odd goal or two. Yeah. And you know, they, as Christian said, six, 16 goals all they conceded. You know, Liverpool have conceded 20, and loads of you know loads of teams higher up the table have conceded loads more than them. But they don't score very many, yeah. so there's every chance that Liverpool can go dominate possession, uh, which has probably been Liverpool's best defensive yeah. attribute this season is keeping the ball. And um, so go up there, do your work, and see how you end up. We're Liverpool and Chelsea both going to the northeast. On it's yeah. going to be cold. Yeah. It's going to be well, 
you know, bleak. Uh, we bit it's Middlesbrough. Yeah. I mean, as, as I alluded to before, ice on the wall with Vesterveld. I mean, how many? T- I think Liverpool probably only won there once. Yeah, ever. Often, mm-hmm. was, yeah. I remember Gareth Southgate scoring a winning goal there for for, for Borough. And that started the run. That yeah. started the run, didn't it? So I think that was two years on the wall. Certainly, Christian Caron, but boxing, I think boxing day. Boxing Caron, yeah. boxing. It's, it's a horrible place to go for Liverpool historically. Uh, but we got to start. I mean, this. I don't this, want to see they, any flicks they, in the they box. Just, they, they've just got to. They, they, they've got to start changing some of these historic narratives. As you like, we saw West Ham Palace, do it when they can, it, exactly, and we saw them jumping all these hurdles. Christian did a very, very good piece a couple you know, a month ago, and um, that's come well since, hasn't it? I know, but we've seen <laughs> we've seen teams like West Ham. You know, hadn't won at Anfield since '63. Yeah. Came up last season and did it, and you know, since then have sort of you know. Three three wins, two draws against Liverpool, five, whatever. Yeah, so uh, it, it can easily be done. It's just all about going there and doing it. And Middlesbrough are in the tough. Have just printed the table. I think they're they're fifteen points, sat in sixteenth place. So they're just you know they're hovering above the relegation zone. Uh, as were West Ham, who who are now you know just two points behind them. So it's a big game for them. Under the floodlights, we know that that can have an effect on the atmosphere. But Liverpool have to go there and be in, be inspired by whatever um, you know reception they get, and go and uh, and get back to doing all the basics right. I don't I don't want to see any flicks in the box. I don't want to see any sort of anyone taking this for granted. Basically, I think sometimes in the past couple of games, uh, certainly when Liverpool were ahead against Bournemouth, and you know at times against West Ham. Just try and you know the eye-catching pass or whatever. Just 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 choose the right pass this time. Good advice. Um, okay, well let's see. We'll see if Liverpool can do that uh, on Wednesday, and we'll have a podcast for you Thursday or Friday, looking ahead to the weekend to the Merseyside derby and looking back on hopefully three points for the Reds at the Riverside. Um, hopefully, we this has been a bit cathartic for you after a disappointing Sunday. Um, if not, let us know um, in nice terms if you can. But thanks for listening and uh, see you again soon.